Welcome to your upfront moment. We're building a confidence revolution. Hi friends, I'm Lauren Curry, the founder of Upfront. We're an organisation on a mission to change confidence for 1 million women and non-binary people by 2023. And we do this in three ways. We transform your relationship and habits around confidence, power and visibility through our six-week online course. Each cohort is called a bond. Bond is the collective noun for a group of women and over a thousand women have graduated from a bond from over 20 different countries. We build community, real, genuine, human community, where women learn how to stand up for themselves and each other. We hold each other to account. We celebrate each other and learn together. Our community is Global Bond. We create content that will inspire, challenge and motivate you to be upfront. We are here to change confidence, not women. Upfront Moment is designed to kick your week off with confidence, self-compassion and agency. Hi friend, welcome to this week's Upfront Moment. My special guest this week is Sophie Walker. Sophie is a feminist writer and campaigner. She's the author of Five Rules for Rebellion, Let's Change the World Ourselves. She's been an activist for more than a decade and was the founding leader of Britain's first feminist political party, the Women's Equality Party. Sophie is an incredible force. We last met at Pregnant Then Screwed's March of the Mummies and I immediately asked her to come on to this podcast to share her speech with you. It was a moment I will never forget watching Sophie deliver her speech to thousands and thousands of parents and women and mothers stood in Trafalgar Square and I was also able to watch her daughter watching her give the speech. It was just amazing. So we are so lucky. I'm so honoured to have this time with Sophie so you can hear her incredible speech for yourself. So welcome to the Upfront Moment. Sophie, I'm so happy that you're here. How are you today? I'm well, thank you. It's uh, lovely to be here with you. So we last met at the Pregnant Then Screwed March of the Mummies, which was quite a remarkable experience. I was hearing the chants in my sleep for about four nights afterwards. <laughs> um, it was really a moment I'll never forget, I think. How was it for you? Good, good. I'm glad. It was wonderful. And actually, it was... Um... It was a wonderful reminder of the power of marching with women um, and how much I've missed it. My um, parents started taking me on marches when I was a really wee child. Mm. Um, I grew up in um, Glasgow and um, my parents were uh, very active protesters at, at, at what they, you know, when they saw unfairness or issues that they felt needed uh, urgent attention so I have <laughs> I started very early and I have very early memories of marching um, against 
um, marching for CND, uh, right? So you're so marching against um, uh, the the nuclear um, submarines that were mm-hmm. um, stationed in Faslane. I remember marching up there and putting daffodils in the barbed wire fence. And, uh, and then when we marched for the miners to support the miners, for the miners' wives, um, I learned very early on the value of um, sturdy footwear and... Uh, and uh, waterproof clothing and don't ever get stuck behind the person with the drum. <laughs> um, which we did for Pregnant Then Scribble. That was different because they were a fantastic salsa band. But yeah, obviously in the years of um, when I was leading the Women's Equality Party and, and previously there was a lot, there was a lot of marching. Um, and it's it's just such a fantastic thing. It's It brings you shoulder to shoulder close to your sisters to to the women that are experiencing what you're experiencing to uh play, people you can learn from people you can lean on um uh, when i wrote my book uh, five rules for rebellion let's change the world ourselves i interviewed an amazing woman called Edgy Temelkaran who is a turkish journalist and um campaigner and she said to me like you know you you know who you are on the streets. You know you learn mm. what you're capable of when you march, and I really remembered all that at that wonderful march. Yeah, it was just absolutely amazing. And you know now, as you know, my wee boy's nearly five, so we are. He's been at a few protests. We have good pictures of him at the March Against Trump in London with his banner all around yeah. his pram. <laughs> no, that was, was a good a one. That was a good one. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, f- for me, I think my very first march was the march against Brexit after the decision had been made. So it's mm-hmm. not something that was part of my kind of childhood or, or time growing up. And I can see, I can just imagine how powerful it is to be exposed to that feeling and that energy mm. so early on in your life. And of course, when Jolie asked me to, would you mind leading the, you up for leading the chant with the megaphone? I was like, of course, you know, I love being on stage. I love, yeah, uh, love giving talks. I was thinking this is like my dream gig. And then of course, when it was happening, I was thinking, oh my God, <laughs> there's 8,000 people behind me. And I was so grateful for your like, we nudges of, you know, you can't really get this wrong. It's like just jump yes. in and, and do it. And then of course, on the hoof making up a new chant about Rishi Sunak because we uh, wanted to specifically get his attention. And we couldn't have prepared that chant because he'd only been prime minister for about five minutes before the... That's before true, the yes. That was started. a good That was a good conflab outside uh, the streets at Downing Street, wasn't it? It's like, yeah. what rhymes with... What rhymes with... Oh, oh yeah, wait, OK, off we go. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> Tell us, Sophie, who who are you? What do you care about? Because I could talk about how wonderful you are all day. So I'll let you tell your story. Oh, you're so kind. Well, I'm not going to sit here and say how wonderful I am. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, who am I? Uh, well, um, my name's Sophie Walker, and um, I worked as a journalist for Reuters news agency for quite a long time. Uh, I always wanted to be a journalist because I wanted to travel the world, and I wanted to tell stories. I was really interested in other people's lives, the places where we connect and the places where we differ. Um, 
I learned languages at school for the same reason. Um, I really wanted, you know, my, my family all speak lots of languages and it was um, very much a household that, you know, talked about the importance of languages as communication and connection and the importance of all of those things. Um, so, yes, uh, my entire family was also at the um, anti-Brexit march. <laughs> um, so I was a journalist for quite a long time and then I became a campaigner and an activist when... Um, my daughter and I embarked on the very long, slow, painful journey of getting her diagnosed um, autistic um, because that was the point where I really realised um, that nobody was coming to the rescue um, mm. and we were going to have to sort this out ourselves. And in becoming, in moving into that sort of, um, well, I started fundraising. That was where I started. I started running marathons mm. um, to raise money which is why my Twitter handle is still Sophie Running, because that's oh, where I started. I yeah, mm. I just started, but I thought, well, I can't really, I thought, I don't know how to do any of this other stuff, but I can figure out how to run a marathon. So I ran half marathons and marathons to raise money for the helpline for the National Autistic Society, because that helpline had been pretty much the only thing that was really, really helpful to me when we were really struggling to get support for my daughter. And from there, I started to really understand a whole bunch of things about how society treats people deemed different, um, the intersection of um, sexism and ableism that my uh, daughter was likely to encounter and was already encountering in terms of people thinking she couldn't possibly be autistic because she was a girl and girls, you know, aren't autistic and all kinds of ridiculous stereotypes and cliches around autism diagnosis. And also how society treats carers because carers are predominantly women and we're going to talk some more about that, I'm sure. So that was really where I got into campaigning. And after that, I helped form and lead the Women's Equality Party, um, which was... Um, uh, I don't even. I mean, I, I don't even know how to talk about that. Really, it was. I know where to start. It, yeah, well, uh, I mean, it was yeah. just a bunch of really pissed off women that thought, um, sick of being last on everyone else's list. Come election time, we mm. need a party that is going to break into the political space and be purely and clearly and um, unapologetically uh, feminist and do right policies through a feminist lens and. And and by being in that political space, we, we hoped that we would be able to demonstrate to all the other political parties that there were votes in it for them so mm -hmm. if they would just steal our policies and try and do it first. So um, that was, I mean, that was the steepest, uh, ex most exhilarating, most terrifying learning curve I think I've ever been on. But it was a total mm. privilege to do it. Um, uh, and I just learned so much and met so many utterly, utterly wonderful women. Um and then I, since then I am now, well, I'm, I'm a writer, I'm still writing. I wrote um, my book about activism, which was meant to be a little pocketbook really for anyone that needed a bit of a pick me up and a, and a reminder that um, it's a philosophy for life. It's not, yeah. you know, a series of brick walls. Um, and now I, um, well, I, I do a whole bunch of different things. I'm a consultant, so I work with companies that are trying to do social good. Um, I, I offer campaigns advice to uh, campaigners and to and to organisations um, who are advocating for uh, change. Um, and I do sort of one to one mentoring um, with a sort of feminist approach to leadership and purpose. And um, I consider myself very lucky to to continue to spend as much time with as many brilliant women and and hopeful women and energetic women as I do. Mm. It's like you've managed to design work that means you get to hang out with amazing women all the time and I I'm in the same place and sometimes have days where I'm like I can't believe 
this is my job and I've managed to make this work. Yeah. I would say also I've organised it so I can hang out with my amazing family a lot more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, you know, yeah. I, I have, I wanted, you know, I want to spend more time with my children. I would like to see my husband uh, more often. Um, you know, I, I, um, I, I, ha- I have often taken my family for granted and um, mm. I don't want to do that anymore. I, everything, you know, particularly through the pandemic, you know, we, I think a lot of us, um, really reevaluated what was what was important and mm-hmm. and and how to sort of try to shape shape our lives differently um and i think you know i've always always worked you know as at a career or at a, with a purpose um mm-hmm. in a way that sort of was very structured around work outside of the home um and i am really working differently now in a way that I'm priv- I understand how privileged I am to be able to do that in a way that enables mm. me to, like, you know, spend more time with my family, spend more time with my daughters. I learn so much from my daughters, and and to, and to then to be able to sort of take go into that the, that other um, complementary world of work, feeling a bit more whole. Yeah, it's a very live tension, I think, for a lot of certainly women in my peer group who have very young children or young Mm. babies or pregnant or want Mm. to be pregnant and thinking is it possible to oh yeah I mean you know can I have the career can I work towards purpose and you know that's we could do a whole other podcast on that on that topic for sure because I think it's it's complicated and hard and often very much about the person you decide to have babies with you know and how that what that looks like in your home. Yeah, I agree. I think, I mean, this motherhood radicalises women totally. Mm. I think it is the moment when you see how much you've been lied to, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I, But I also, the thing that gets me out of bed every morning and always has really from being very young uh, um, um, and I think in no small uh, way because of who my the, who my mother is and the kind of person my mother is. My mum was a member of the women's liberation movement, um, mm-hmm. and she was very clear, um, always um, motivated and talked a lot about women's equality and feminism and women's equal stand, standing to men. And I, that is my purpose, right? I mean, I'm driven really to do everything I can to try to help to bring about a world where women are free. You know, I think women's mm. equality, women like feminism is is freedom for women. It's freedom to have mm. chances and choices um, that are, um, you know, outside of all of these dreadful structures and barriers that insist that we may only live much smaller lives to men. Um, so so the, the whole thing about how we choose to work, where we choose to work, mm-hmm. the, the, the values that we put around work and, and you know, the, the work we value is, is really, really important to me. Yeah. And it was one of the most moving moments for me at the march was watching your daughter watch you give your speech. That was like a really special a really special thing for me to witness and it was so lovely to meet your daughter and kind of see her alongside with you and I feel excited to imagine that one day Atlas will be marching alongside me and and being and being part of it all but it was that speech that 
uh, I just had to message you and say, please, can you come on the podcast and, and give your speech again? Because selfishly, I just want to hear it once more. And I think it needs to be, you know, shouted from the rooftops. I want as many people as possible to hear the words that you said that day. So that's what I would love. I would love for you to do for our listeners to share the to share the speech that you wrote and then afterwards we can talk about you know what you're what you hope people take away from the words you shared at the march sure here's what i said the story of motherhood is a story of discovery the story of motherhood is a story of shock and triumph of love and pain of strength and vulnerability, of lives turned upside down, of changing bodies, adaptability and resilience, of understanding that you can still do pretty much anything on two hours sleep. It's also a story of how we learn to understand what society thinks about mothers and about carers and the people they care for. It's how we really learn properly how screwed up society's value system is how we start to understand the extent to which society is constructed for the benefit of a small group of people who are setting the rules to help themselves, not us. Walking into motherhood is to walk into the houses of the women who went there first. No one can tell you what it will be like in there. But those who wait in those houses have truths for us. And the biggest one of those is this that some men fear mothers and their biggest concern is to shackle us to their will because this mighty capacity that we have to create life, this mighty capacity that we have to love and endure and care is also a mighty capacity to fight. Walking into motherhood is to walk into our warrior selves because it is mothers who guide a people and guide their destiny. We began in our grandmother's wombs and we carry our granddaughters within ours. Our rebellion was born in the women before us and within our brilliant and incredible female bodies we carry the next generations of rebel daughters. And our rebellion seeks to build a world that cares about women, about mothers, about care and about carers. Our rebellion seeks to raise our children and our families and still to remain our glorious selves, seen and heard and championed and appreciated for all our capabilities and capacities. For the work that we do, for the talents that we have, our creativity, our empathy, our capacity to solve problems and find solutions. Our rebellion seeks to demonstrate to politicians where their myopic focus on capitalist growth might widen, to understand what good growth looks like, a growth of equality, of happiness, of sustainability and harmony, where everyone, including women and mothers, has the equal chance and choice to freely decide their lives. A world where women's liberation delivers liberation for everyone. The matters we march for are not just mothers' matters. We know that investment in quality, affordable childcare delivers jobs growth and tax revenues and happy, functioning families. 
We know that investment in parental leave supports men to be more involved in their children's lives and fosters their children's well-being. We know that flexible working practices deliver productivity and build a skilled workforce. But let's face it, we also know that it's down to women and mothers to make sure that this happens because we've been waiting a very long time now and we have had enough. We have had enough of the contempt for our work shown by the architects of austerity and the COVID committee groups who time and again left women to suffer the impacts of policies that excluded us and assumed we would submit and be silent. We have had enough of the lazy sexism of politicians, including our current Prime Minister, the man behind a self-employed income support scheme that gave new mothers a much lower payment because they'd taken maternity leave. And when asked, explained it was because maternity leave is the same as taking a holiday. We have had enough of the misogyny of writing economic policy that labels mothers as economically inactive while banking our unpaid work to make financial freedoms for men. How do we do this? You know how to do this. You have had the best possible training in the sleepless nights and the vomits and the snot and the shit and the mess and the capacity to keep going despite it all no matter what gets thrown at you, because together with our mothers and our sisters and our aunts and friends and allies and partners, we are stronger. Because motherhood also brings such love and such joy and such a reminder that there are things in this life that are utterly miraculous and affordable childcare doesn't have to be one of them. Because motherhood shapes the finest activists. Thank you for everything that you do. Together we can build the world that we want to see. Right. <laughs> oh, it's just so good. I think I said, but I got I got the key line wrong. There's a key line that talks about it's mothers who create a people and guide their destiny. It was perfect. Tell me a wee bit about you writing that. Like, is that... You sit down and it flows out and then you edit it or you write it over a period of time or what's your, what did that look like? Uh, well, I thought about who would be listening, mm -hmm. who I was going to be talking to. And I thought about um, who the other speakers were going to be and the kind of topics they were likely to cover. And then I thought about, well, what can I, what can I specifically add as me with my background or my experience or a sense of my purpose in a way that can connect, that can find a similar space in the people who are going to be there and listening and marching. And, and what can I offer? Um, what can I offer that, that, that might be something that they could maybe take away with them and, and that would give them an energy and, and a sense of being loved and I, and I and that last bit was really important because um, because motherhood is exhausting, and um, and mothers are absolutely taken for granted, and are you know and I and 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 yet it is also a moment of awakening where I think so many women understand how strong they are and how powerful they are despite like all the stuff that we've just talked about you know being knackered and covered in bits of banana and snot. And the other thing that, that I also really wanted to 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 say is that um, is that you have what you need to be an effective activist. 
that you it's in you and and don't let anybody tell you otherwise because I think often when women move into that political space and start to mm-hmm. talk about what what they care about and what they need and what their perspective and experience has has shown them they're often just told to shut that to shut up and sit down right that there is a sort mm. of you don't know what you're talking about you you know you've not you know you've not been to Eton or you've not been to Oxbridge or like what mm-hmm. do you know who are you you're just a woman um you know get back to the kitchen make me a sandwich all those things that the trolls tweet mm-hmm. um and and, I, and so I really really wanted to say to a bunch of people who I knew would have had to just like jump over quite a lot of hurdles to get to that march Right. If you're traveling with children, you're marching with children, you've got bags full of <laughs> nappies and wipes snacks. and food yeah. and snacks and water and toys and, you know, everything's perfectly calibrated. Have they had their nap? Will they nap while we walk? What, where do we, where's the nearest tube stop once we, you know, get there? All that stuff. And still they were there and they were marching for something so 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 important and so I wanted to just say look at you you're bloody brilliant Mm. and you can change the world because you know what we all need now Mm. and I think there's so much power in that validation of feeling feeling seen and noticed because I think that's really rare for a lot of women and a lot of mothers is that they feel invisible yeah. And they feel like that their labour is invisible, not appreciated, not catered for, in the micro scale and the macro scale, you know, at home, at nursery, mm-hmm. in the local community, yeah. and in the workforce. And I know when I shared your speech in, in my newsletter, I had a few replies which I which I shared with you of people saying how it made them feel. And I'm curious, like, what's your... What do you hope the folks listening to your words take away from that? Like, what do you wish for them? Uh, I wish for them what they wish for themselves. I wish, Mm. um, I just want them to know that they're loved and appreciated and seen Mm. and not alone. And that um, so many of us stand alongside each other. Even, Even at the times when we feel most disconnected, we are still connected. And that if this is not your time, that's also fine. Yeah, right. Absolutely. If you're listening absolutely. to this thinking, oh, for Christ's sake, no, I've got too much on my plate. I'm not going to start being a bloody activist. Uh, like, <laughs> totally fine. Like, totally yeah. get that. Like, just like, you know, it's hard times out there at the moment. Um, and you know, that is not a laughing matter. And, and just keeping your head above water um, is, is, is sometimes just all, all you can do. But I think one of the things that I really learned as a, as a, as an activist, um, and as somebody who, you know, was in a position of leadership for a while is that it is cyclical, right? You cannot be on top of your game all of the time. You can't be doing all of the things that you want to do and need to do and feel you must do all of the time. It's simply not possible. And sometimes you just have to step off um, and and let somebody else, or the many, 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 many thousands and millions of other women working on this, like, t- take the strain. That Like, you could be the point at which you get to the bottom and you need to step off and just lie on your couch for a bit or, you know, that chance to be a fine thing, right? Um, uh, or just, <laughs> like, focus on, on, on what's right in front of you. There'll be other people absolutely killing it, right? So, and then they will step off and then it'll be your turn. And I think 
Mm-hmm. Like the idea, and that's really what's behind that. You know why I, why I wrote the book. I mean, my working title for the book was "How to Be an Activist and Not Go Mad." <laughs> yeah. Because really, what I was what I was trying to do was say, look, there are there are these moments where we all come together around feelings of despair or anger or you know whatever it is, and these moments where we learn about compassion and about perseverance, and 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 all of these things will support you in an understanding of what it means to be an activist or what it means to campaign yeah. or, or even just to take, you know, you know, activist is such a big word. It's such a big word. And actually what it just means are like small daily actions when you can to try to, you know, tilt the world a little bit further towards something that works better for all of us. Yeah, I think I really loved how you articulated that in the book. I think I feel like you talked about it as a Ferris wheel or some sort of secular... Was that a Ferris wheel? Yeah, it was. I just said it's a yeah, it's a wheel. It's a it's, it's a wheel. It's, it yeah. goes round and round. And that made that made a huge difference for me. I think is, and I'm definitely getting better and better at this all the time. But have a tendency, you know, my my bias is to want to be hundred percent sixth gear all mm. the time, mm. and just recognizing that it's not possible, and also it's not it's not the most effective use of all of our brilliant skills and talents. Like we mm. need to collaborate and work together and complement each other so that there's periods of rest and there's periods of the, you know, there's peak moments, celebration moments, rest moments. So I really, I often think about that kind of Ferris wheel idea. And I think the other thing that your book does really well is to, cause I know a lot of people will have listened to your speech and, I mean, they were probably furious to begin with, but now they're even more furious. It's like really, <laughs> you know, really, really, really angry, like really angry. Yeah. And yeah. at the same time feel helpless and powerless because the problem, the scale of the problem is so large and it's so mm. complex and it's mm. so systemic. You know, how does little me start to affect this? And I think your book does a really lovely job of helping you tap into whatever that emotion is mm. and then how do you translate that into how do you translate that into action that that feels useful uh, and I know we we talked about at the start of the before we came on record and that we I always love to give our listeners an upfront challenge for the week so I would love to hear your thoughts on what that might be given the context of our conversation today? Oh, I I mean, I think it would simply be to connect, to to connect to another mother and to 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 think about if the if if this is something that you're interested in taking action on, what that action might be. Um and and you know, I say that in the full knowledge that you've got a million and one other things to do, and that listening to this podcast is probably all the time that you've had today, and you're probably doing it with a baby on your back and a shopping bag in your hand or whatever. <laughs> but I think um, I do I do think that um, that when women come together, they are phenomenal, and when mothers come together, there is an energy and a an insight that. Um, is unbelievably powerful and beneficial and positive. Mm. Well, that shall be our challenge. I hope that 
folks accept it and you know if you're not a mother yourself I think there's there's still that moment of connection with other women who will are mothers or have children in their life have young people Mm. that they care about have carers in their life that they care about Yeah. yeah so we've connected before on the role that confidence plays in this conversation Mm. you know having the confidence in yourself that your story does matter that your voice is important that your experience is is valid yes Uh, and you know the work that we are doing up front is really trying to change the how people understand and think about what confidence is oh god yes (laughs) of course build new models of helping women in particular because essentially we've been brainwashed to think it's this very you know this thing you're either born with or not you must be extroverted you must be white you must be loud and you know it's something that we all just need to meditate more and eat more Mm. almonds and then we'll have more of it which of course is is not how it works it's very linked to the patriarchy it's linked to our society and it's linked to how we are in ourselves in our community and so I would love to hear from your vantage point and how you see the world like when we achieve our goal of supporting one million women to connect with their confidence in a very genuine generous sustainable way Mm. how do you think the world would be different oh this is like this you sent me this question and I was like oh god (laughs) Um, (laughs) I think I mean as you know Lauren like I've had a beef around the world around how we talk about confidence Mm -hmm. for quite a long time because I do I I get really really pissed off with this um, with the way women are are told to be confident in a way that really it's like there's a wee sort of cottage industry around telling women that they're not good enough in order to then sell them all the things they think they need in order to be good enough mm-hmm. right and I just it drives me absolutely mental this idea that um, you know you don't get the pay rise because you're not asking right so like get yourself a book on how to ask right um, uh, you don't get promoted because you um, you know you didn't you didn't work properly so you know listen to a podcast on how to work properly that you didn't get uh, you know thin enough or beautiful enough or clever enough or you know confident enough because of all these things that are wrong with you so fix yourself first and then suddenly the world will will open up to you and I um, and it just drives me mad because I think because I think it often it's it's so insidious and and you know mm-hmm. women it's very women, very toxic yeah and women do all of this work you know they and it often happens when you move into sort of you know leadership positions or campaigning positions or you know um sort of advocacy where you're encouraged then to sort of you know do some work on yourself in order to be the best possible person you can be in the space and it just encourages us to just sort of disappear inwards and we even more you know like we're all born with confidence and then little girls just have it steadily knocked out of them and then as women are told here's how you can have it back if you buy all these things and you know make yourself tiny and submissive and and nice be nice be kind um and and i think um i think you know confidence to me has always 
well not always I say that it's like it sounds so glib it's always been this it hasn't at all actually it's been lots of different things to me at lots of different times and as a leader I spent an awful lot of time thinking am I am I a good enough leader am I a good enough woman am I a good enough feminist because my goodness there's so many different you're so told so often all the terrible ways you're being a bad feminist um, and I and you turn yourself in circles and until the point where you're just second guessing everything and you've lost sense of yourself you know, where you've just lost sense of yourself and every you, like you're thinking about everything you say, like, should I be saying this? Is this going to piss people off? Or am I saying this in the right way that this person's going to hear it? Am I, you know, and obviously some of that is like good, thoughtful campaigning, right? How am I speaking in a way that the right, yeah. you know, I'm connecting properly. Uh, but a lot of it can just get lost in a, this terrible, like, vortex of meanness, me, me, me. It's like me, am I good mm. enough? Me, thinking about me. And you've actually forgotten to look at the thing that has got you out there and active Mm. and therefore exactly and so I mean I think you know what I long for is a world where we can all just stay connected to what is meaningful and true to ourselves and you know for us in our lives and be able to express it and to be able to listen and hear when other people express it and to make space for each other. Mm. Because that's also a huge part of confidence that we don't like to talk about which is being the audience being the listener being the receiver of the of the stories holding space creating space building platforms mm. i think it's yeah i really like that you mentioned listening and and your answer to that question because it's never usually talked about in the context of confidence um and i think it really should be you know up front we do a whole piece on what does it mean to be a good audience in the traditional sense of when you're sat in front of somebody who's giving a speech, but in the day-to-day moments where, whether it's your colleague or your sister or your friend, is having a, there's a moment of vulnerability there and how you can support them in that. Because when you, I think, don't show up in, those, in that way intentionally that those moments can take somebody's confidence away you know it's like you have power as the listener to boost and create confidence for others oh I mean 100% and that and that's Mm. been one of the you know the most difficult lessons right activism is full of people who all want to be you know all shouting at each other it's one of the most I mean but it's like one of the most judgiest places right we all sit around and judge each other on uh, uh, you know and and we're also you know, often, and I say we, I mean myself in this, I'm absolutely, you know, I've learned so much about myself in the process of more than 10 years of doing this. And I think, um, what is it now, 15 years of, of sort of campaigning for one thing or another, you know, since that moment where I stepped out, mm. realised I was going to step out of journalism. And I think, yeah, it's it's a really, you know, it, it, one of the most valuable things I've learned is that, um, uh, you know, it, if you if you want to encourage women to speak up to speak and to feel heard then you have to you have to establish trust in you that you will make the space to listen well thank you so much this has been wonderful as always i could talk to you all day oh it's um, so so nice to see you thank you very much for for inviting me it's, i'm just you know i think what you do is fab and it's an honor to be here thank you lauren thank you so much i'm now sitting in the dark the daylight has left me <laughs> well i can see on the call.
So this week, your upfront challenge is to connect with another mother and to think about where you are on that Ferris wheel. It's okay if you have to step off. It's okay if you're somewhere in the middle. And it's okay if you're at the top killing it because when it's time for you to rest, it will be somebody else's turn. It takes all of us. It takes me and you and every single one of us. Let's go. Thank you so much for listening, friend. Let me know how you get on with your Upfront challenge. You can always write to me, lauren at weareupfront.com. Let me know what this moment made you think about. And don't forget to sign up to our amazing Upfront newsletter. Every Tuesday, I send links, inspiration and insight around confidence, power and visibility to over 5,000 inboxes. Guaranteed gumption and action. Bye friends, I'll see you on Monday for your next Upfront Moment.